G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's get into a conversation that is all about revival and baptism. Uh, The conversation back to revival, back to a very special and impacting dimension that we might not often think and connect with revival, but this area of baptism and real evidence of what happens when people have an encounter with God. Well, there's been plenty of evidence this year that points to a move of God gathering pace in a number of nations. And our special guest today, Pastor Todd Smith, has been hosting what's considered to be an outpouring of revival fire since 2018. And there's a special connection to baptism. In the last five years, the North Georgia Revival has seen more than 30,000 baptisms and thousands of miraculous healings as people have been immersed in baptism. Pastor Todd Smith and his wife Karen are coming to Australia to share their stories at what's called Immerse Australia. Todd and Karen Smith serve as senior pastors at Christ Fellowship Church and they've been hosting the North Georgia Revival since February the 11th, 2018. They've been speaking around the world and they're going to be here in Australia at the end of August. Pastor Todd Smith, a special welcome along to 2020. So excited to be with you guys today and your listening audience. I cannot wait to talk about what God's doing here and what he's going to do in Australia. Todd, let me come back to Scripture as a starting point for a conversation like this. I know listeners will be excited to hear all the stories, but I just want to take you back to uh, John the Baptist, who said of Jesus, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I wonder if you've got a reflection even on that Scripture and something of your story around fire and baptism. Absolutely. The revival at the North Georgia uh, area, Christ Fellowship Church, we're experiencing a move of God, and it's revolving around uh, our baptismal pool, the immersion tanks. And when John the Baptist said, Jesus is going to come and baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire, we are seeing the fulfillment of that right now. As you will note, when Jesus was baptized, the Bible says that the heavens opened up and the the Holy Spirit descend, descended upon him. And that's exactly what we're seeing in our baptismal tanks. We're literally seeing people encounter the presence and the fire of God in real time while they're in the water, and their lives are being altered instantly. I'm talking about being changed instantly, being delivered by the fire of God, the power of God. People are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Unbelievable, extraordinary miracles are taking place in the baptismal tank. So we are seeing what John the Baptist said, fire on our water and the Holy Spirit falling upon people. And I've never seen anything quite like this in my life. It's been going on for five years 
Over 33,000 people have been immersed just in our church and another 50 to 60,000 people outside of our church in different countries and different states here in America. And I could not be more excited nor anticipating with a greater degree than what we're going to encounter in Australia in the next few days. Todd, take us back to the thing that was the trigger of the catalyst that led you to going through some more deeper issues around baptism because in your own church uh, as you're talking about the you know the the baptismal uh, that you have there in your church and not every church has that and some churches baptize people in all sorts of different ways but you had a vision of fire on the water of your own church baptistry take us back to that moment well, I had called the church to a 21-day fast in January of 2018, and our church was a good church, but it wasn't growing. It was more plateaued, but we were having good church services. The Word was being preached. The worship was, you know, was wonderful, uh, so I couldn't complain there, but I just knew that God wanted to do something more than for us just to show up and sing a few songs, hear the Bible being taught, and then let's go home. And I read Psalm 27, verse 8, where it said, David, I need you to seek my face again. And David said this, Lord, when you said to seek your face, my heart said back to you, your face will I seek. It is in that context that I literally called a 21-day fast, and I said, church, we're going to meet together for prayer, and we're not going to ask God for anything personally. But for 21 days, we're going to seek the face of God. That's what we need in our church. We need an encounter with God. Two weeks into that, I'm walking across our platform by myself. I'm just praying on a Thursday afternoon, and I'm walking toward our baptistry. And then I would turn around and walk the other way. Then I would turn around and walk back toward the baptistry. And on one particular turn, as I'm walking toward our baptistry, it is empty. There's not a drop of water in it. But all of a sudden, I see it full of water, full of water, and fire on top of the water. And that fire was two and a half to three feet wide and from front to back. And it looked just like gasoline burning on top of water. And that vision lasted eight to ten seconds. And I heard, as soon as that vision stopped, as soon as it dissipated, I heard the Spirit of God speak to my heart. He said, Todd, I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit and fire. Now, being a denominational person, I just assumed that my new converts were going to have a remarkable time in the water, you know, as their new, new believers um, immersion. But two weeks later, the glory of God falls in our sanctuary. Two weeks after that vision, the weight of God, the glory of God falls in our sanctuary. And we started spontaneously baptizing people to come to the Lord, to renew their vows to the Lord publicly, you know, to come home as a prodigal. And we started seeing prodigals come home, people getting saved, and then we started seeing miracles in the water. We watched a man who had psoriasis on his body. When he was in the water after his immersion, the psoriasis on his body melted off, and he had had that condition for 15 years. Mm. 
And then we realized that God was not only changing hearts in the water, but he was also changing people's bodies and healing people. What do you think is meant, Todd, uh, by Holy Spirit and fire? Was the fire good for your vision as the leader? Uh, Was the fire something that people related to because they want to understand something of the power of God and understanding the work of the Holy Spirit? What do you think is meant when you talk about the Holy Spirit and fire? Uh, How do you describe it? I I think there's a lot of... A lot of variables right there. I think one power, you know, because the Holy Spirit is a is is the power of God that comes to live inside of us and comes upon us. So I assumed as well that the Lord was going to baptize us in His fire, and that would mean power, power to witness, power to turn from you know um, sin, and but also fire purges, as we will know that in the scriptures that fire. When God comes in Holy Spirit fire, it's like there is something that God reaches down on the inside and takes the impurities of our life, things of areas of compromise, things that we have allowed in our walk with Jesus in our Christian journey that literally grieves the heart of God. We have seen people get into the water when we ask the question, why are you in this water tonight? And all of a sudden, they began to confess their sins. They began to say, well, I'm addicted to pornography, or I have unforgiveness and bitterness, or I have done A, B, and C, and they began to tell. And what happens is, when they go underneath that water, the Holy Spirit so touches them that he burns out all of those things that they just confessed, and they leave the water completely brand new delivered with a three-second encounter with Jesus in the water. So I think it's not only power, but I think it's a a purification as well. I think there's a purging of the Holy Spirit, and I think that's what the body of Christ needs across the world right now. Todd, I know that listeners will be interested in stories. I wonder if we can talk about some more of the stories of what happens Uh, In this past five years, as you've seen this revival happening there in your own church and and spreading around the world too, I might say, but what stories come to mind for you as those that are most outstanding of what happens often when people are in those waters of baptism? Well, let me say this, Neil, first of all, that when the Lord gave me the vision of fire on the water, that was the first vision I had ever had in my entire life. I had never had an, an open vision. But when I saw fire on the water, I and the Lord said he's going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit and fire in the baptismal tank, I had no idea literally the full ramifications of that. I had, I had no idea that we would see physical manifestations. I'm talking about right before our very eyes, miracles taking place. And I, and I need to say this. I've not seen dozens of miracles or hundreds of miracles. We have literally seen thousands upon thousands of miracles that have happened in the baptismal tank. I know that may be hard for people to believe, but when you watch psoriasis melt off a man's body or eczema melt off a lady's body in the water right before your very eyes, all of a sudden you realize you're in something that is supernatural. 
and it has absolutely nothing to do with man or a ministry or a personality, but everything to do with what God is right now doing across the world. He's meeting people in the water. This is simply one portal of glory. There's many things that God's doing around the earth, but right now he's moving in water. I I have witnessed blind eyes open. A little fellow from about 12 and a half hours from our church heard what God was doing. He was born legally blind with 20 over 3,200 vision. He travels 12 and a half hours to get to our immersion surface, and he gets into the water. He goes underneath the water, and then he comes up, and he realizes he can see out of his left eye. You watch it on video, and I will show that video when I come to Australia. You're going to be able to see this bona fide miracle of a 10-year-old boy who could only see two to three inches in front of him all of a sudden be able to see, I mean, people 20 and 30 and 40 feet from him. He goes back to the doctor, and his optometrist says, we don't know what happened to you, but you are on the government legally blind list but you have perfect vision in your left eye. I'm telling you, Neil, the place went wild because they witnessed this young fella have a miracle where Jesus baptized him with Holy Spirit and fire. And on top of that, go ahead. I was going to say one of the testimonies that you have on one of the websites I saw talking about your upcoming visit to Australia also includes the story of a young suicidal girl who had been into uh, cutting, uh, self-harm, uh, using razor blades. And, and this is an issue with a lot of young women. What was the story around that particular young girl? When she walked into the water, Neil, she gave her name, and we always ask the question, why are you in the water? And this is what she said. I'll never forget it. It it marked me. She gave her name. She says, I'm 17 years old. I am addicted to meth, and I cut myself. And at that moment, she lifted up her arm, and on her arm were just like 20 to 25 scars where she has taken a razor blade and cut herself so deeply that the scars were there. There were ridges on her arm. I'm looking at her and Pastor Marty, who is the one doing the baptizing, takes her and puts anointing oil on her arm and then baptizes her. Neil, I'm telling you, right before my very eyes, I'm two and a half to three feet from her as she comes up out of the water, I see those scars begin to disappear. They're vanishing right before my very eyes. Well, Pastor Marty looks at her, and half of her scars are gone. He goes, I just know what Jesus would do if he was here. He took that anointing oil and rubbed her arm a second time and baptizes her. She comes up out of the water. My wife and I are are sitting right there next to the tank, And we watched those scars literally disappear 100% off of her arm. Isn't it? That is 
it's supernatural. It's I've never seen anything quite like that. But now, in the water, just in the water. Now, there are some who are quite sceptical around things like these types of stories of people being healed. And we always love to hear those stories. But you also have evidences of these sorts of miracles that have happened too. I know that there is one particular man who had bone tumours and you've got the before and after scans of his bone structure. Those sorts of evidences, they're, they're coming to light and maybe they're not going to be there with everyone who has a amazing encounter with God experience, but these sorts of evidences are coming to light regularly in your church. Yes, you know, we've been, and I hate to say this, in Christianity over the, you know, the decades, we've got a bad taste in our mouth when it comes to miracle signs and wonders because we feel that we've been scam- scammed or conned or manipulated. And and so here's what we love to do. Now, let me back up. I was raised Baptist and so I was always against what I would th- would classify as charismatic Pentecostalism, that type of thing. I always thought it was a little bit extreme, and that was just my experience. But since then, I've changed. I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and everything, and and um, and open up to the gifts of the Spirit. So I just wanted to make that known before people. So I know what it's like to be a skeptic and to be cynical, and I don't blame people. But what we try to do is to get the before and after evidence. We want miracles to be verified by doctors. We want the medical community to say, this was who she was, this was her condition, and now here's what, what we realize has happened. When you watch 50 metastasized lesions in a person's body where we have the PET scans before, where the cancer's in her organs, it's in her eating holes in her bones. It's in her lymph nodes. And you see that scan before her immersion. And she's not taking chemo or radiation. Okay? She's taking an oral peel, obviously a peel. And she comes to the North Georgia Revival and has an encounter with Jesus in the water. And the very next day goes and gets another PET scan. And the doctor tells her, we can find no cancer in your body and shows her a picture of her body where there is absolutely zero cancer. This is, this is what we love to do. We love to show the before and the after. I've got pictures of the scars of the girl's arm, and then I've got pictures of it after her immersion. We have, we have individuals that have stroke-like symptoms. They've had a stroke. They can't talk. They're on a feeding tube. We have people that have gotten immersed with stroke that can't complete sentences. All of a sudden, by the time they get home, they are talking in complete sentences and have full mobility of their body. But the beautiful thing about this, Neil, about this move of God, it's not built around a person, a personality, a brand. This centers around meeting Jesus in the water. And I just get the blessed privilege of just sharing stories, <laughs> telling people what God has done and is doing. We, we've seen ADHD, autism healed, 
dyslexia, people that have the words backwards, reading backwards, the D's and the B's and the M's and the N's, get into the water. And all of a sudden, things get clear for them, and they testify. They testify and go, I can now comprehend what I've been reading. We have school teachers that are confounded by what in a, a child in special education all of a sudden has not been able to read a book, but now has read three books in a week. They're going, what happened to you? And they say, I met Jesus in the water. He touched me. And, and this is not just a few miracles. This is thousands of them. And it's nameless and faceless. This move of God's not built upon Todd Smith. I just get the beautiful privilege of standing in front of people and saying, you're 30 feet, 40 feet, 100 feet from an encounter from God. Walk toward this water. Get in that watery grave. Die to yourself. Repent of your sin. Surrender your life to him. And let's just leave up to God what he wants to do in your life. Todd, That's let me ask you about there are verifiable miracles and uh, wonderful to hear of evidences and those things where the medical professionals can actually diagnose that there was a problem before and this problem has been resolved. Let me ask you about other not so easily verifiable miracles of families being reunited, of the lost coming home, those who are struggling with mental illness. There's a lot of things that not as easily verifiable. Those sorts of testimonies are coming as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. The thing, the thing about the water, the Lord meets people where they are and at their deepest point of need. And we are getting... Yeah, let me let me say this, Neil. When I saw fire on the water, when he gave me that vision in 2018, and he said, "I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit and fire," the last thing on my mind was was literally the the miracles. Okay, that's what Jesus called the children's bread. Okay, that's what gets people to the meeting. They're they're hurting. They're sick. Their loved ones dying. They're needing relief. They're needing help. So they're hearing about these miracles. It's the children's bread. It's, it's that, precious, that precious move of the Holy Spirit where, where he's touching people at their point of pain. But the ultimate goal of Jesus is to touch them in their heart, is to, is to, to literally go deep into their soul and say, I'm here for you. I need you to love me, and not just love me, but to love me well and to follow me with all of your heart. So just as many miracles we're seeing, we're seeing people get delivered in, uh, of, of all types of addictions, and they're coming home, and they're falling in love with Jesus. He's meeting them there. So yeah, it's, it, there's, it's all across the board, all across the board. Some people are coming in for healing, but they're not getting physically healed, but their heart's getting healed. Okay, unforgiveness and bitterness and hate and anger. God's softening their heart. He's restoring marriages. We've have we have instances of divorce papers on the kitchen table, but they came to the revival and said, "God, unless you meet us, we're going to be divorced in a couple of days." 
And then in three seconds, he touches them and makes them brand new. To me, Neil, that's priceless. That's what I, when he showed me fire and water, that's what I assumed it would be. And yet it's gone to an exponential degree of not only physical, but the internal, the heart issues. Taking a man that can't talk without cursing or a a person that has lust in his heart and all of a sudden shifting that. And now those things are no longer a part of their life. That's revival to me. Those are beautiful stories. And I know listeners uh, will relate to those sorts of stories and uh, with an expectancy, be able to rely on something that God can do in their own circumstances. Uh, Let's just get a context right here and coming back to some things you were sharing. This is not all about Todd Smith. Uh, This is something that people are receiving with an encounter with God. I'm reminded of the story where uh, the man that Jesus healed was let down through the roof of a house and uh, into the presence of the people. And a dispute breaks out there and you've got religious leaders uh, and uh, disputing about Jesus healing this man. I think he was a paralytic. And, uh, and of course, uh, and Jesus says, you know, what do you think is harder to do, to uh, heal this man or to forgive his sins? Uh, I wonder if you've got a reflection on this, because God does miracles, but the miracles are never necessarily the main game. They're not the main story. The forgiveness of sins is the main story. Any thoughts from you around getting things right if you're talking about miracles, expectant for miracles, and even expectant for revival? I would I would encourage people as they come to the meetings. Uh, uh, people do have those physical needs. Some have cancer. Some are have suffered strokes. Some have some some terrible conditions: Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, whatever. And you're coming to the water, fully fully come, saying, "Lord, I'm ready, and I need you to heal me." There's nothing wrong with that because Jesus asked all the time, "What would you like for me to do for you?" You know, do you believe that I can do this? So healing is. Who he is. That's what he does. That's what he desires to do. But also be open to the fact that, Lord, my body's going to wear out at some point. I'm going to die, all right, whenever that's going to be. But, Lord, the life that I now have in front of me, I want it to be completely consecrated and yielded to you. And I want to serve you with all of my heart from this point forward. If you heal my body, wonderful. But Lord, for some reason, my body does not get healed. I want you to do something so deep, so wonderful in my heart that I now serve you openly and courageously. And I believe that's what Australia needs, just as it is in America. Australia's going to be changed, and revivals are coming to Australia simply because there's a lot of bodies that have gotten healed, okay? Um, you cannot build a revival and a movement of God just upon healings. Jesus healed people, and yet they still crucified him. He raised the dead, and they crucified him. So miracles are the children's bread. But what will change Australia and what will change America is Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who call my, by my name will humble themselves, become so low and so broken and so contrite before the Lord that that he turns toward us. 
that we lower ourselves. We put our nose on the ground and say, oh, God, I'm undone. I'm unclean, and I need you to, I need you to forgive me and come low. And then he says, if my people will pray. No move of God could ever be sustained or even come to a nation that is worthwhile without prayer. And I'm not just talking about a, a little bit of praying. I'm talking about corporate prayer meetings, people gathering together, weeping over the sins of the nation, weeping over the sins of their own heart. And then he says, if my people will seek my face. The Bible says, if we will seek him diligently, we will find him. And he's a rewarder of those that seek him. And then fourthly, Neil, and this is where people get really tripped up. God said it. I didn't say it. He said, if my people will, will turn from sin. What will change Australia is if the pastors, the leaders, the elders, the deacons, the bishops, the churches, the church members say, God, we're going to leave sec- live Second Chronicles 714. We're going to humble ourselves. We're going to pray. We're going to seek your face. And we're going to stop sinning. We're going to, we're going to turn from those compromises in our life. So then your neighbors see that you act differently, talk differently, behave differently. That's going to get their attention and say, what happened to you? Well, I fell in love with Jesus, and Jesus changed me. This is the formula that's going to change America. It's not a hotshot evangelist. It's not a new band. It's not a new music you know, twist. It's not a light show. It's not all those wonderful things that we have. It's when the men and women of God say, Lord, I come to you broken. For he said it in Isaiah 57, I will revive the heart of the broken and contrite. He says this one thing that I look for is a man or woman who's broken and contrite. That's it. That's it. Well, let's take the recipe for revival in our own churches uh, back to Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14. And for those listeners uh, listening and hanging on every word, I might say, no doubt today, Todd, saying those things couldn't ever happen in my church. What do you say to that person or to that leader that might be listening saying, uh, that's all right, happens in Todd Smith's church, that doesn't happen in my church or in my town. What do you say to that person? If God can move in Dawsonville, Georgia, at Christ Fellowship Church, a town of 3,500 people at the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, if God can move in our little city, in my church, God can move anywhere. He is no respecter of persons nor places when it comes to moves of God. The formula, and there's no formula, but there's a pathway to revival. It centers and starts with brokenness. And if the man or woman of God, the pastors, become broken before the Lord and honest before Him and just pour out their heart and begin to pray and to seek His face, God says He will come. He says, I'll revive you. So I don't care if you are in a town of 100 people, a village, a town, city of 100,000. It's the same for everybody. If God can do it in Dawsonville to this discouraged, frustrated pastor who was leading a plateaued church that got so discouraged and said, God, I'll do whatever you ask. I'll pay whatever price you want me to pay. But all I want you to do is to come. And Lord, as I read the New Testament, would you please do that? 
in my heart, in my life. And it didn't begin with a new sermon series. It didn't begin with the new, you know, a new um, church. It, it began out of a point of depletion and despair and brokenness. Well, and that's what God looks for. That's what he looks for. Todd, we have run out of time. And I know that there'll be listeners who are thinking, where can I see Todd and Karen Smith when they come to Australia? Well, let me just uh, recount. In the past five years, the North Georgia Revival has seen more than 30,000 baptisms, thousands of miraculous healings as people have been immersed in baptism. Now, Pastor Todd and his wife Karen are coming to Australia. They're going to be sharing their stories at what is called Immerse Australia. Now, they've been speaking around the world. They're going to be here in Australia at the end of August. Uh, Let me give you the dates, and I'll give you a website where you can find out these dates and you can see whether you can get to be a part of one of their meetings. They're going to be in Maryborough, Queensland, at the Powerhouse Church on the 23rd and 24th of August. They're in Adelaide on the 27th of August at the Arts Centre, Port Norolunga, and at Gateway Church in Salisbury East. Then on the 29th and 30th of August, they'll be in Melbourne at Stairway Church and Fire Church in Frankston. Here's the website for you to be able to check those dates if you're in Adelaide or in Melbourne or in Maryborough in Queensland. Immerseaustralia.org.au That's immerseaustralia.org.au And for those listeners who are saying, Uh, Where do I see some of the evidences? Where do I listen to the testimonies of what's happened in this North Georgia revival? Well, if you simply go to YouTube and type in North Georgia revival, you'll find testimonies and evidences there. And there's more testimonies on the church website of Pastor Todd, cfchurch.tv cfchurch.tv Their church is called Christ Fellowship Church. Uh, They've been hosting that North Georgia revival since 2018. But to get those Australian dates, immerseaustralia.org.au. Pastor Todd, uh, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts, uh, your heart, your inspiration, your wisdom around revival. Thanks so much for sharing those with listeners today on 2020. My pleasure, Neil. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.